Welcome to Zikhu Daf Simani Member by Ram Golda and today Mazakas Baba Kama Daf Base, the first parak Arba Avos. So I want to welcome all of our new members who are joining us and wish everyone continued Hatzlach as we begin a new Seder and the 21st Masechta in this Daf Yomi Maksar. The first parak is sponsored by Mr. and Mrs. Moshe and Devorah Smith and is dedicated to our courageous soldiers of Saul, the remarkable citizens of Israel, and to all incredible Jewish people. May Kosh Baruch Hu watch over all of us and grant Israel a complete victory over Hamas and the return of all the hostages safely. So the three types we're going to focus on them in the opening Mishnah states, Arba Avos Nazikin, there are four primary damagers mentioned in the Torah. Hashor, an ox which was not guarded and it damaged. Habor, the pit which one dug or uncovered and someone's animal fell in. Mava, the Mava, explained later to be either referred to Adam, damage done by man, or Shane, a tooth, damage done by an animal's eating. The Hever and the fire. The Torah need to write all four categories of damagers. The ox and Mave each possess a stringent characteristic relative to the other, and both, Sheesh ben Ruachayim, which are living, are not like fire, which is not living. None of these, Shadak and Leilach whose way is to go forth and damage, is like the boar, the pit which damages in its place. The Tzada Shava, the common characteristic among them all is, Shadak and that their way is to damage, Rishmir Sanalecha, and the obligation to watch them is upon you, the owner. Ukshihizik, and when any of these damagers does damage, the damager's owner is obligated to pay for the damage with the best quality land. Point number two, from the term avos, makalde ekotoldus, it's implied that there are subcategories of damagers which can be derived from the primary damagers. The Gemara asks, toldusen kiyotzbehen or love kiyotzbehen, are the subcategories similar in law to the primary categories or not? Regarding Shabbos, there are 39 primary malachas and numerous toldos. These toldos are identical in law to their avos in that an inadvertent transgression of either requires bringing a chantas, and an intentional transgressor is executed by stoning. The Gemara explains why malachas are classified as avos and toldos. Regarding Tum, on the other hand, we find that toldos do not share the same law as avos. For whereas primary tuma for example, a sheretz, is metame people and utensils. The told is something that contracted tumor from an av. Ochlin mashk metame can only be metame food and drink, but not people or kalim. Since toldos of Shabbos are similar to their avos, but toldos of Tumar are not, the Gemara inquires if toldos of damages are similar to the avos. Rapapa concludes that some toldos are similar to their avos, and some are not, and the Gemara will seek to identify which are not. And point number three, the Gemara lists the toldos of Karen damaged through goring. Negifa, pushing, Neshicha, biting, Ravitsa, squatting, Ubiita, kicking. The one that says, just as goring is a primary damager because the Torah writes, Ki yigach, if an ox shall gore, pushing should also be a primary damager since the Torah writes, Ki yigof, if an ox shall push. It answers that the word pushing in the Pusik means goring, striking with horns, as evidenced by the Torah switching to the term goring in the same Pusik. The more explains that goring is used regarding a human victim, whereas pushing is used regarding an animal victim, because regarding Adam de Esli Mazla, a man who has muzzle, meaning intelligence, it writes goring because more forceful intent would be required to harm him, as opposed to an animal. This teaches the mudu Adam having mudu behema, an animal which is muud, warned, as prone to harm people, is automatically a muud to harm animals. But a muud for animals is not automatically a muud for people. Although biting is done with teeth, it's not categorized as shane, which is hanala hezeka, physical benefit obtained by the animal through its damage. Although squatting and kicking are done with feet, they're not categorized as regal because regal hezeka matsui, regal's damage, is common. So once again, the three points are number one. The opening Mishnah states, Arba avos nazikin, there are four primary damagers mentioned in the Torah. Shor, the ox, which was not guarded and damaged. Habor, the pit which one dug or uncovered and someone's animal fell in. Bahamava, the mava explained later to refer to Adam, 
damage done by man, or to shane, a tooth damaged done by an animal's eating, the hever, and the fire. The Torah need to write all four categories of damagers. The ox and mave each possess a stringent characteristic relative to the other, and both, sheish ben ruachayim, which are living, are not like fire, which is not living. None of these shedarchen leilach whose ways to go forth and damage is like the boar, the pit which damages in its place. The tzadashava, the common characteristic among them all is, shedarchen lazik, that their way is to damage, vishmir sanalecha, and the obligation to watch them is upon you, the owner. Ukshihizik, and when any of these damagers does damage, chavamazik usham tashminezik arts. the damager's owner is obligated to pay for the damage with the best quality land. Point number two, from the term abos, makalde ekotoldus, it's implied that there are subcategories of damagers which can be derived from the primary damagers. The Gemara asks, toldusen kiyotzbehen or kiyotzbehen? Are the subcategories similar in law to the primary categories or not? Regarding Shabbos, there are 39 primary malachas and numerous toldos. These toldos are identical in law to their abos in that an inadvertent transgression of either requires bringing a chatos, and an intentional transgressor is executed by stoning. The Gemara explains why malachas are classified as avos and toldos. Regarding tum, on the other hand, we find that toldos do not share the same law as avos. For whereas primary tuma, for example, sherets, is matame people and utensils, the avotod is something that contracted tuma from an av, ochlin and matame can only be matame food and drink, but not people or kalim. Since toldos of Shabbos are similar to their avos, but toldos of tumah are not, the Gemara inquires if toldos of damagers are similar to the avos. Rapapa concludes that some toldos are similar to their avos, and some are not, and the Gemara will seek to identify which are not. And point number three, the Gemara lists the toldos of Karen damaged through goring. Nagifa, pushing. Nashicha, biting. Ravitsa, squatting. Ubiita, kicking. The Gemara says, just as goring is a primary damager because the Torah writes, Kiyigach, if an ox shall gore, Pushing should also be a primary damage, since the Torah writes, Ki if an ox shall push. It answers that the word pushing in the Pusik means goring, striking with horns, as evidenced by the Torah switching to the term goring in the same Pusik. The more explains that goring is used regarding a human victim, whereas pushing is used regarding an animal victim, because regarding Adam de Esli Mazla, a man who has muzzle, meaning intelligence, it writes goring because more forceful intent would be required to harm him, as opposed to an animal. This teaches the mudu adam havi mudu behema, an animal which is muud, warned, as prone to harm people, is automatically a muud to harm animals. But a muud for animals is not automatically a muud for people. Although biting is done with teeth, it's not categorized as shane, which is hanala hezeka, physical benefit obtained by the animal through its damage. Although squatting and kicking are done with feet, they're not categorized as regal because regal hezeka matsui, regal's damage, is common. All right, so now we go to our simmer.base, and our standard simmer is a bias, a house. So here goes. In front of the Nazikin house, featuring four rooms for the Arba Abbas Nazikin, and a list of the toldos of Shabbos and Tuma, posted on the front door, Ashor did Nagifa with his horns to another shore. Once again, it's a motion. In front of the Nazikin house, house, that must be more in Daf, base, bias. In front of the Nazikin house, featuring four rooms for the Arba Avans Nazikin, which reminds us, the mission states that there are Arba Avans Nazikin, a shore, a boar, mav, and hever, and then identifies which of them have things in common with each other and which do not. So, in front of the Nazikin house, featuring four rooms for the Arba Avans Nazikin, and a list of the toldos of Shabbos and Tuma, posted on the front door, which reminds us from the term Avos, but called the Ekotodos, it's implied that there are subcategories of damagers which can be derived from the primary damagers. The Gemara asks, Toldosen Kiyotzbehen or Lav Kiyotzbehen? Are the subcategories similar to the law, to the primary categories, like the toldos of Shabbos, or not, like the toldos of Tuma? 
So in front of the Nizikin house featuring four rooms for the Arba of Nizikin and a list of the toldos of Shabbos and Tuma posted on the front door, Ashur did Nagif with his horns to another shore, which reminds us, the Gemara lists the toldos of Karen, damage the goring. We have Nagifa pushing, Neshicha biting, Ravitsa squatting, and Be'ita kicking. The Gemara asks that just as goring is an av, because the Torah writes, Ki yigach, if an ox shall gore, pushing should also be considered an av, since the Torah writes, Ki yigof, if an ox shall push. It answers that the word pushing in the Pusik means goring, striking with horns, as evidenced by the Torah switching to the term goring in the same Pusik. The Gemara explains that goring is used regarding a human victim, whereas pushing is used regarding an animal victim. Because a man has muzzle intelligence, it writes goring because more forceful intent would be required to harm him, as opposed to an animal. So once again, in front of the Nizikin house featuring four rooms for the Arba Abba's Nizikin, and a list of the toldos of Shabbos and Tuma posted on the front door, Ashur did Nagifa with his horns to another shore. Alright, so now it's time for Four Blah Chazara. Dafine test. So the Simran Dafine test is an eight, a pen, and we use a sofa with a quill. So here goes. The sofa, sofa, that must be more than Daf. Ein test, eight, pen. The sofa married a Bulgaris after her father married her off on the road, which reminds us, the Gemara says, Kicha Avia Baderk, if a girl's father married her off on the road, Vikicha Atzma Beir, and she later accepted Kadushin herself in the city, Vahari Bulgaris, and now she's found to be a Bulgaris, a full adult, Rav says, Harayi Bulgaris with a name, behold, she's a Bulgaris before us, and is assumed to have been so before the father's Kadushin, so the father's Kadushin is invalid, and her own is valid. Shmuel says, Chayshinu Kedushe Shneim, we are concerned for both marriages, because we're unsure when she became a Bulgaris. So the sofa who married a Bulgaris after her father married her off on the road was distressed when he knows the mikveh he was usually toveling before working was lacking 40 saw, which reminds us Shmuel's challenge from a Mishnah. If a mikveh was measured and found lacking 40 saw, all tummy kalim which were immersed in it and any foods prepared in them are tummy even if the suffolk occurred in Rosh Hashanah, a public domain where sveikos are normally ruled tahor. This proves that the current deficient mikveh is assumed with certainty to have been deficient earlier. The Gemara concludes, Hasim Tarti Usa. Regarding a mikveh, there are two weaknesses against assuming a later deficiency, the kalim's earlier tummy status and the mikveh's current deficient status. Regarding the Bulgaris, there's only one weakness against assuming a later change to Bugris, her current status of Bugris, so it remains a suffix. So, the sofa who married a Bulgaris after her father married her off on the road was distressed when he knows the mikveh he was usually tovelin before working was lacking 40 saw. Just as the customer entered the shop who just returned from overseas with his wife and children, which reminds us, the next mission states that one who went overseas with his wife and returns with his wife and children and says, the wife who went overseas with me is this one, and these are her children from me. He doesn't need to prove her yichus since it was proven at their marriage, nor of their children since they are assumed to be theirs. If he returns with only children, saying that his wife died, he must prove the children are from his wife. Daf Pei. So the Simon Daf Pei is a painter. So here goes. The painter, painter, that must be more than Daf Pei. The painter was so engrossed in painting a picture of what was presumed to be a family about to get skila and Sreifa, which reminds us, Rabbi Yochanan says, Malkin al-Chazakos, we administer Malkos based on legal presumptions and Solkin al-Sorfin al-Chazakos, we execute by stoning and burning based on legal presumptions. This second ruling is based on Rabbi Baruchuna's statement that in a case where a man, woman, young boy, and young girl all grew up in the same house, creating the unproven presumption that their parents and their children, Niskalin Zalzeh, they are stoned to death because of each other, meaning if the boy has relations with a woman, presumed to be his mother, Nisrafin Zalzeh, and they're burned to death because of each other, meaning if the girl's relations with the man presumed to be her father. So the painter was so engrossed in painting a picture of what was presumed to be a family about to get skewer 
And Srefa, that he didn't notice his son playing with some dough next to a dead sheretz, which reminds us, Rishokish said, Sorfina Chazakos, we burn truma, based on legal presumptions indicating it became Tame. But Yochanan said, Ain Sorfina Chazakos, we do not burn truma, based on legal presumptions. This parallel is another Malchukas they have. A Mishnah teaches that if a child is found near a dough and the dough is in his hand, Remer rules the dough tower and the Chamu say it's Tame. Because it's the way of a child to play with shratzim and garbage heaps rendering him tame, and by extension the dough he appears to have touched. So the painter was so engrossed in painting a picture of what was presumed to be a family about to get skila and sreifa that he didn't notice his son playing with some dough next to a dead sheretz, nor the woman secluded in a room next door with two men. Which reminds us, the next mission teaches the laws of Yichud, a man may not be in Yichud with two women, but a woman may be in Yichud with two men. Abraisa explains the distinction between two men and two women, because women's minds are light to be persuaded, and both may agree to sin. Daf Pe'alv, so the simran Daf Pe'alv is a grandpa. So here goes. The grandpa, grandpa, that must be around Daf Pe'alv. The grandpa who was in the city when his wife was in Yichud at home with a plumber, which reminds us, Rav said Malkin al Yichud. We administer rabbinical malchus for Yichud, but do not forbid a married woman to her husband based on Yichud. Ravashi said that even malchus are not given to a married woman lest people think she committed adultery and received malchus because the death penalty is not applicable today and that her children are mamzerim. Rabbi said, If her husband is in the city, we're not concerned about Yichud since she's afraid that her husband may come at any time. So the grandpa who was in the city when his wife was in Yichud at home with a plumber intended to sin and eat pork, but mistakenly ate lamb. Which reminds us, Bryce explains the Pasuk, Isha HaFeiram Hashem Yislachla, her husband revoked her nadarim, and Hashem will forgive her, as referring to a woman who violated her nadarim without knowing they were revoked, and it implies she requires forgiveness. Rabbi Kiva would weep when reaching this Pasuk and say, if someone intended to eat pork and lamb's meat came to his hand, meaning he intended to eat non-kosher but mistakenly ate kosher, the Torah says it requires atonement and forgiveness, as evidenced by a woman whose nadarim were revoked, then someone who intended to eat pork and and did all the more so. So the grandpa who was in the city when his wife was in Yuchud at home with the plumber intended to sin and eat pork, but mistakenly ate lamb while visiting his sister alone in her home, which reminds the Mishnah taught that one may be secluded with his mother or daughter. Ravasi said, a man may be secluded occasionally with his sister, but may not reside alone with her, but he may reside alone with his mother or daughter because he's not tempted to sin with him. Shmuel said, it's forbidden to be secluded with all arrivals in the Torah, even with an animal. Daf Pei Base. So the simmer Daf Pei Base is peanut butter. So here goes. The boy whose father taught him the peanut butter business. Peanut butter? That must be on Daf Pei Base. The boy whose father taught him the peanut butter business, since it was a clean and easy trade. Which reminds us, in the final mission of the Masech, the Rebbe says, A person should always teach his son a clean and easy trade, and he should daven to he whom all wealth and possessions belong, for there's no trade that does not include poverty and wealth, because neither poverty nor wealth is a result of a trade. Rather, everything depends on one's merit. So, the boy whose father taught him the peanut butter business, since it was a clean and easy trade, who felt bad for his friend whose father worked as a tanner, which reminds us it was taught, Ashri Misha Rose Hora Buminus Maula. Fortune is he who sees his parents in a superior trade. Oilo Misha Rose Hora Buminus Paguma, and woe is he who sees his parents in an inferior trade. Similarly, the world requires both perfume merchants and tanners. Fortune is he who is a perfume merchant, and woe is he who is a tanner. So the boy whose father taught him the peanut butter business, since it was a clean and easy trade, who felt bad for his friend whose father worked as a tanner, was jealous of the boy whose father put aside every trade in the world and only taught his son 
Torah, which reminds us, in a bright Rabbi Nuroi says, I put aside every trade in the world, and I only teach my son Torah, because every trade only provides for a person in his youth when he can perform it, but in his old age, he's left exposed to hunger. But Torah is not so. It stands by a man in his youth, and gives him a future and a hope in his old age, because he receives reward for previous study, even if he's too sick or old to do so. All right, so now it's time to conclude with our pop quiz of 10 questions. Number one, which step do you want a person should always teach his son a clean and easy trade? That's on Duff. Pay base. Good. Number two, which step do you want refers to goring a man and negifa refers to goring an animal? That's on Duff. Base. Good. Number three, which step do you discuss the yichud of a man with two women and a woman with two men? That's on Duff. Pay. Good. Number four, which stuff? is whether a father is believed that his son is a mumzer. That's on Dav. Ein Ches. Good number five. Which stuff do we have the question whether Todosen Kiyotzbehen or Lav Kiyotzbehen? That's on Dav. Base. Good number six. Which stuff do we have that woe is he that sees his parent in an inferior trade, like being a tanner? That's on Dav. Pay base. Good number seven. Which type of a case where a father married his daughter off on the road and then she accepted Kedushin herself and was found to be a Bulgaris? That's on Duff. Ein test. Good number eight. Which Duff does the Mishnah list the Arba of Nazikin? That's on Duff. Base. Good number nine. Which type of when if a husband is in the city, we're not concerned about Yichud? That's on Duff. Pay off. Good. And number 10, which stuff do we have a machokas if we burn truma based on chazakos and the case of the child playing with dough near a dead chariot? That's on Duff. Pay. Excellent. That comes today's year. This is Rabbi Abraham Goldhart from Zichru, wishing you a great day and great learning.